and welcome to the Seattle Coffee Gear Podcast. I'm your host, Pat, and joining me this episode is Jake. How's it going, Jake? It's going pretty well, Pat. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty well as well. Uh, well as well. Uh, we haven't had you on the uh, the podcast for a little bit now, so uh, it's good to have you back again. Um, this episode of the podcast, we're going to be talking about a few different pieces of coffee equipment that are really popular with people, and we just kind of want to go over where they're at in 2022 and if they're sort of still worth it to pick up if you're looking at something in their segment. Yeah, yeah, excited to be here. Yeah, before we get into that, uh, is there anything that you have been since the time we last heard from you, which was like at least a month ago, uh, Mm -hmm. anything that you've been you've been using or or excited about recently? Well, something I'm excited about using soon will be um, we have Growler Works, which is basically uh, it's a brand that makes kind of growlers for both beer and coffee. But we're picking up the, the coffee side of things. And I really want to try like an at-home nitro cold brew because it's something you can get at a lot of cafes, but this lets you have the ability to make a big batch, um, put nitro in yourself, makes it nice and smooth. And I'd love to try that out one of these days. I have not yet, but it looks promising. Yeah, I have. uh, I talked to Ariel last episode and she was she hadn't tried it yet and was interested in in using it. I'm pretty excited to try it as well. I think everybody is uh It's funny because it's not a a huge product. Um, It's nothing like crazy um, in terms of of like pricing or 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 big on your countertop or anything. But it's it's a really cool smaller device that uh, lets you make some pretty cool um, cold brew with it. And I like the fact that they do a bunch of different things, too. And I'm kind of interested in trying some of their other stuff even the stuff that we're not carrying um, mm-hmm. or not carrying yet i don't know what we're going to do with them in the future um and and so it's a cool product for sure yeah definitely um so uh i don't really have anything new to bring because i'm on here all the time and uh it's i have kind of been using the same old same old stuff um we have a new roaster that i don't know if we're going to have them announced by the time this goes up. So I won't necessarily say their name, but their stuff is pretty good and I'm excited about them. So you'll know it when you see it. Uh, but when you see a new roaster joining the the crew in the next month or so, you should, uh, you should check them out because they're very good. And uh, that's probably the thing that I've the most, the new most unique thing that I've, I've enjoyed recently around the coffee world. Yeah, definitely. They make really tasty, um, Really tasty blends, and they have a lot of um, single origin options as well. And a hint: if it is not released, yes. they're out of Portland. <laughs> so good luck if, if they're not out yet. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, look forward to that when you hear this. Um, we uh, so for for this this episode, I've got three machines to talk a little bit about. Um, a couple of these might be a shorter episode because a couple of these I think are pretty simple, but it's still worth talking about. Less are they worth it? Worth it, and more kind of are you i don't know there's a few things i wanted to spell about them i guess um but before we get into that i think one one machine that's perfect for this kind of discussion is the ranchilio silvia uh which is a very classic machine and one that people um really love and really love to talk about and hear about and think about uh (laughs) it is definitely one of the most popular espresso machines i think that's that i've ever seen 
Yeah, me too. Me too. It's one of those machines that, um, you know, you see on a lot of people's countertops, they are quite simple in design, but they also last a super long time. And I think that's why they're popular is they, they're kind of just great at what they do. They, they make espresso, they steam milk quite hot. in in fact, um, and their, their simplicity is, is nice. It's kind of refreshing, but it also can be, um, difficult to, to, um, for kind of new people who are new to espresso, it can be difficult to manage that shot. Um, with all buttons, you know, yeah. no timers, no bells and yeah, whistles. Yeah, I think the the Sylvia is an interesting machine because it is sort of built from a commercial mindset, kind of, um, even though it's for home use. I mean, this mm-hmm. is definitely a home machine. You could not use this in a commercial environment, but um, it has that kind of really solid construction. It's mostly metal casing. Uh, it has the same kind of interface that their commercial machines have, which is cool to see at this price point. And for under a thousand dollars, you don't usually find stuff like that. Um, most of, most of the, the machines under a thousand dollars that you're going to find, they're going to be a lot of plastic in the casing, or they're going to be somewhat limited on their features. Maybe they don't have the, the, um, the, the pressure valves, the release valves to handle doing a unpressurized, uh, portafilter basket. And the, the mm-hmm. Sylvia really can, in theory, produce a shot on par with a, you know, higher end machine if you're willing to work with its learning curve. But I think that's the biggest thing about it is like, one, the interface is very utilitarian in a way that isn't necessarily super intuitive. And two, because it is a thermostat, a traditional thermostat in there and with the way that the boilers designed. You really do have to to be, you have to learn how to manage the temperatures. I think to to really get a good shot out of it. Yeah, yeah. In general, um, the Sylvia runs quite hot compared mm-hmm. to what you t- typically want for um, espresso. A lot of times, if you're pulling water straight out of the boiler, it can be flash boiling, uh, especially depending on your altitude. If you're if you're even you know a thousand, two thousand feet above sea level, you're going to see some flash boiling which is why temperature surfing is kind of the norm for people who do use a Sylvia every day. That's where you flush the boiler a little bit and let it come Mm -hmm. back up to the temperature that you want. Um, And that's a big reason why we started putting PIDs on these machines to electronically control the temperature way back in the day. And it just gave you a little bit more flexibility. But I do think, yeah, that learning curve can be tricky, especially because you need to understand how temperature affects your espresso, but it's definitely doable. Um, and a lot of people do like the utilitarian nature of it because it is mm-hmm. almost as simple as, you know, switch it on, press a button, coffee comes out, life is good. Yep. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that kind of makes me less enthusiastic about it now is that Ranchilio themselves have put out the Sylvia Pro. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a machine that already has the 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 PID controller built in and it's got it in a nice interface right on the front of the machine you can use to control it and it's just going to be generally an easier machine to work with um, mm-hmm. that still has basically the same feature set otherwise uh, if not an improved one over the base Ranchilio so or Sylvia so that it's not that I think that the the base Sylvia has gotten any worse, but 
by comparison now there is another machine that for not a ridiculous amount more certainly within range of if you're looking at a wanting a higher end espresso machine at some point you could just get a Sylvia Pro and um and and kind of not have to deal with more any of the the, the difficulties with the Sylvia yeah i i would agree i mean especially cuz yeah the Sylvia has uh, crept up in price a little bit over the last couple of years. Um, and there are other options around the 750, you know, under a thousand dollar mark that maybe have integrated grinders and maybe they don't work as long. Maybe they don't last as long because, because they do have some say plastic components or what have you, but, um, they are definitely easier to use. So it's up to you, you know, if you want the classic iron framed Sylvia, go for it because it is, it's definitely going to be solid, but they're, there may be more interesting options out there if you are wanting a little bit more control for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, it's not a trivial difference in price between the pro and the, the base Sylvia, but if you're thinking about putting a PID on it at some point, and then you're talking about your own labor involved in putting it together. I mean, I think the thing is that the Sylvia is kind of a hobbyist machine. It's, it's sort of the, lower end on the pricing spectrum for a hobbyist machine which is going to be kind of hit or miss and and it's going to depend on your needs and that's the thing right is that there are options out there from solace from breville from uh even the the lower end or the higher end uh, delonghi semi-automatic express machines that are also capable of making good shots for that mm-hmm. under a thousand price range and will be easier to use and get the hang of. They may not be the sort of generational machine that the Sylvia is like they may not last you 10 plus years like the Sylvia can, but they might be easier to use and they might cost even less. So it is kind of in an interesting position right now in terms of like where it sits versus even other machines like the, uh, like Escasso's machines, that kind of have a similar design ethos, but a little more softer edges on them to kind of ease you in metaphorically or to, to kind of ease you into to using them. So definitely one that I wouldn't say isn't worth the price anymore, but also it's in a much more complicated segment than it used to be. Agreed. So the next one on the list, and this one is a little bit different with the way that I think we talk about it, is the Chemex, which is... Mm one of the favorites of a lot of people for ways to brew coffee. And I think it's kind of an interesting thing to talk about in this context because, you know, there isn't anything other than the Chemex that is like the Chemex. Mm -hmm. It's not like there's a competing brand of Chemexes. It is a unique pour over device. Uh, So it's technically still worth it if you want a Chemex because you can't get one anywhere else. Exactly, exactly. And I mean, Chemex has been around forever. Uh, I've, once I once I started working here, um, I started noticing them in like movies and films, you know, from yeah. the 70s and the, and the 60s and even prior to that, because they've just been around forever and it's a timeless design. And you're right. If you want a Chemex and if you want the Chemex filtration, the thick filters, you got to go with the Chemex because it's just, it's the only cup that's going to taste exactly right. Um, but... It's not, yeah, it's not the only, it's not the only pour over that can do really well and kind of make yeah. um, a larger batch. If you really need a big batch, 
Chemex is kind of one of the only ways to go. But, you know, if you're just brewing for a couple people, it could be worth it to look into some other options um, that are a little bit more convenient, like a V60 or a Kalita Wave or something like that. Uh, a little less expensive, too, right off the bat. Yeah, uh, I think that the the each of those those different sorts of drippers have different flavor profiles, mm-hmm. but the Chemex is the most different because of its unique filters and the sort of shape of the filters. So from that perspective, there it really is a unique device, and that's why I think it's still worth it from the perspective of like it's worth having one around and they are affordable enough that it's mm-hmm. not as if you're going to completely break the bank on getting one. What I will say is if you're not attached to the flavor profile already, there the other options that are out there might end up being more appealing to you if you were to try them. Like you might I like B60s more than Chemex, for example. Mm-hmm. And it's not to say that I think Chemex is bad. It's just a subjective taste sort of thing where I like the way that V60s taste, but plenty of other people are going to prefer a Chemex. And I think that is a a thing to consider, and it's worth trying as many different kinds of... If you're only going to... If you only have room for one pour-over style brewer, it's worth looking at, at the whole range of options of trying to get coffee that that's brewed on each of them so that you can see which one you like the most. The other thing that's really important with something like the Chemex that I think sometimes people don't think about is you really need to make sure that you are brewing properly with Chemex. So if you're thinking about how you, if you think you want to get a Chemex, but all you have is a stovetop kettle that's going to boil the water, you need to think about the ways that you're going to support that device. You you are going to want a scale. You're going to want a grinder so you can fresh grind your coffee. You're going to want to use higher quality beans than what you might just be getting at the grocery store um so it's those things are important i think as well yeah exactly once you're once you're getting down to the heart of it it's it's a really all pour over brew methods um but yeah chemex too it's really important to make sure that you can do everything you can to make those few variables you know water coffee temperature time and grind size um to make those as perfect as possible yeah if you're considering which kind of pour over brewer you want and you are not supporting it with freshly ground coffee and supporting it with a scale that's actually telling you the weight and making sure your water temps are are pretty accurate, then you may as well just kind of use your electric drip brewer. And also, kind of to your point earlier, if you do need to brew for a larger group of people, you might want to consider something like an electric brewer anyway, Mm -hmm. uh, depending on whether you're obsessive about the flavor or not so you know the the point being to all this is that the chemex is still really good and if you like chemex coffee there's not an option that's better for it necessarily but sometimes i think there is a people hear about oh i I have to get a chemex because that's what this person says is the best brew method and it's not necessarily true uh you, you shouldn't uh you shouldn't just necessarily assume that that when you hear something is the best that it automatically is because it's all very subjective exactly so the last one that i have on this list is the ilsa turbo which is a brewer that i've only i think i've only used like twice maybe stovetop is not necessarily my thing but Mm -hmm. this one's kind of 
I mean, it's arguably the best one, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I'd say that it does tend to brew a little faster than the other Ilsa lines, just because uh, it's shaped a little bit more narrow. But yeah, once you're getting into to stainless steel um, stovetop brewers, a lot of it ends up being about design and capacity. And I like both on the turbo a lot. It's not, uh, it also does have one more expensive brewer, but really you're just getting a little bit different of a handle. And the, at the end of the day, the brew is going to taste pretty much the same. Right. So I like the turbo cause it, it lasts forever. You know, it has a diffuser plate on the larger options. Um, you know, and it, and it makes good coffee. I think stovetop, there's not much innovation in the market there because there's not a lot you can do. It's kind of like percolators, you know, what can you do yeah. more to improve what you've already got? Uh, it's like vacuum siphons, percolators, those types of brew methods. There's not a lot of improvement, but I think this one's solid choice. It's, um, you know, all stainless steel and the only tricky part can be sometimes finding gaskets. Sometimes I know we carry the d- gaskets, but it can be a little tricky to find the exact right one. So just yeah. make sure you know, for and this goes for any uh, stovetop brewer. Just make sure you know what capacity your your brewer is in cups, Italian or demi toss cups, not American yeah. eight yes. ounce cups. Yes. Um, and you should be good to go on finding uh, gaskets and replacement parts and things like that. Yeah, the gasket is the hardest part, and um, you know I think. I feel like we're due for some kind of innovation in the stovetop space. Like it seems stovetop to me seems like one of those brew methods that is going to come back around again at some point Mm -hmm. because people are always looking for the next thing to sort of press and optimize and, and make better. And to me, it seems like stovetop is due, but for the time being, I mean, yeah, it's a simple design I think it looks great. It's 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 easy to to brew in it. And the only thing I would consider in the stovetop space really other than something like the turbo is I think the Varia multi brewer is kind of cool mm-hmm. because it has a bunch of different functions in it. And one of the things it can do is stovetop, but it doesn't necessarily do any of those things as well as a completely dedicated brewer so if you know what you want a stovetop i mean the 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 ilsa is the way to go if you are someone who's kind of interested in a wider sampling if like you just want to try stovetop but you also think you might like having a press and a and a pour over kit around i don't know maybe give the varia multi-brewer a look because it's cool too Mm -hmm. and there's always you know there's there's so many options when it comes to to stovetop and like just to reiterate i think the the end result is often the same it's it's like with the chemics it's preparation making sure you have you know good beans and it will probably taste good at the end of the day um and good technique technique is important on stovetops not to make sure you don't burn anything yeah when you're dealing with with water that that's that hot you have to be really careful with how you manage it uh in during the brewing process because it's easy to just scorch the coffee if you're not like timing everything correctly so yeah. yeah, but all, I mean, although some people like that flavor profile and uh, good for you, enjoy it, enjoy it. <laughs> you probably should just get a percolator because it'll burn your coffee. It'll reliably burn your coffee. 
That's true. That's true. But, you know, I do, I do sometimes, you know, uh, even working here, sometimes I do kind of like that, that, what do you call it? Like diner coffee? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Where it's definitely just been sitting on a hot plate for a long time. And it, it, once in a while that tastes pretty good. Well, I mean, it is burning the coffee, but if it's a, if it's a coffee that has a kind of smokier or earthier flavor Mm -hmm. profile, sometimes it can actually be enhanced by hotter brewing. Uh, because it brings out those notes more and it can be good. I mean, it's not usually my favorite or go to, but but it can be a good it can be enjoyable for sure. Uh, so, yeah, no hate to the people who enjoy that kind of brewing. I still don't think that I will enjoy percolator coffee in particular anytime in the, the near future. <laughs> well, uh, those are the the items that I have for our still worth it special. I do have one kind of cool thing that we didn't have a chance to talk about last time out, but I have a question from uh, a listener that came in uh, earlier this month. um, And I wanted to go ahead and, and answer this question. So we got a question from, Bailey, who says that recently they got a uh, a Virtuoso Plus and they're wondering how to dial it in for pour over. Um, There's and and they're kind of they kind of bring up the uh, the fact that you can find like recommended grind settings from Barasa for Mm -hmm. different kinds of, uh, of, of of brewers and sort of wondering where it would fall like where to start, I guess, with their Virtuoso Plus uh, and how to go from there from dialing it, dialing it in. So I thought we could give them a quick answer for that question, because it's, I think, something at first you think. um, Like, I think since we make so much pour over, it's sort of a like, well, of course you have to dial it in, but it's not necessarily that intuitive if you're just picking a grinder up like this from from like a, in this case, it sounds like they got it from a coffee shop. That, gotcha. that also sells some gear. So picking one up and taking it home, it's kind of like, well, what do I do with this now? Is it when you use a spice grinder, you don't have to change the settings on it, right? So mm-hmm. it's it's or a blade grinder. So uh, I think it's an interesting question. Yeah. Well, thanks, Bailey, for asking a question. I think it's the first question I've answered, at least. Um, yeah. <laughs> or that we've answered together. Um, so it, it kind of depends on the pour over. I'll just I can make this really long, but it I'll keep it short. It kind of depends on the pour over. If you're using... Um, like a Hario V60 or something that has, you know, just a hole at the bottom that the coffee can run through. No, not tiny little holes, but just one hole. You're going to want kind of a medium fine grind. And I think that basically I would start coarser and keep notching it down because the Virtuoso is stepped. It's got notches. Keep notching it down until the consistency is probably like, what do you say? Like a medium coarse like sugar pat you think that would be a good yeah i think you know sugar is a hard one because it's like could what do you mean subjective yeah yeah but but yes it's you want it to kind of be you basically you want to when you when you pinch it you want to be able to to feel the individual Mm -hmm. grounds still for sure um and see them clearly but you don't want them to look you want them to look uniform and not like they're big chunks of rock salt either. Mm-hmm. 
like how I how I would usually start it too is you could even start on the finer side of things. So where you grab it, it's a little not powdery, but it leaves kind of powderiness on your on your fingers, and then take it two steps coarser, and just do a brew. You know, use the same amount of coffee, but just just brew it yeah. up. And if it seems really slow, then you know, you know, go a little bit uh, coarser. And if by slow, I mean like if it's taking five minutes to do a, a cup of coffee, that's probably yeah. a little bit too slow. Or if it's just running through super quickly, you know, if you could fill up your, your pour over halfway and it's running through almost instantly, definitely go, you know, two steps in the finer direction until you just find something that tastes good at the end of the yeah. brew. Yeah. Yeah. Basically that's what you, that that's the, the easy rule of thumb. Uh, and it's, it's, it, it might sound obvious, but it isn't to everybody that if you want if you need to increase the extraction time and slow the coffee down as it's traveling through the beans to the grounds, you want to go finer. And if it's just pooling up and sitting there and not draining fast enough, then you want to go a little bit coarser mm-hmm. and you're going to be able to taste that in your coffee. And it's going to, if you, if the coffee is over extracted and it's taking too long to drain, then you're going to get a bittery taste. And if it's under extracted and it's not getting enough time, contacting those grounds then you're going to get a sour taste and so if you taste those things in your coffee you know which direction you want to move in and i would yeah i would definitely start somewhere around the medium fine side of the grind uh the 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 grind settings on your grinder as a good starting point and then you don't even need to use a lot of times when you look at guides for brewing pour over it'll say that you need to use like at least 25 grams or something like that while you're practicing and trying to find the right starting point setting on your grinder, you can use 12 grams. Like you, you can, you can use a very small amount just to kind of get not very, very small. Cause it needs to be enough that it's filling the filter to some degree, but like 12 to 15 grams, li- like just to establish that absolute basic, is this just draining right through or is it stopping up the, the filter is a way that you can kind of start to find the the place that you want to have the setting at. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, I have seen Bratz's, uh, grind guides before. And just typically for me, I always go, it's always going to be a couple steps finer than their suggestion. That's just mm-hmm. my experience. Yeah. And, uh, the other thing you can do too, is, um, if you are, you have a coffee shop that you frequent, you can also use a little bit of expired coffee to kind of try to find some of those settings. It's not going to be the same as fresh coffee because fresh coffee reacts very differently in a pour over to older coffee but it'll at least again help you find whether you're way too coarse or way too fine or if you have some expired coffee later on that way you're not wasting newer coffee if you want to avoid that um that's another trick that i've used to also practice dialing in espresso grinders so mm-hmm. yeah yeah well, thank you so much for your question. If you have a question that you would like to hear right on the podcast, please drop us a line to questions at seattlecoffeegear.com. Uh, I appreciate you joining me for this episode, Jake. I appreciate Thanks, everyone for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please be sure to let us know in a review on your podcast platform of choice. And for all of your coffee needs, be sure to check out seattlecoffeegear.com and head over to our blog and YouTube for more educational and informative content about all things coffee.